Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality, with an emphasis on BDSM, kink, and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and this week we're going to talk about the ethics of pornography, part two. Before we get started, I want to send a very special thank you to Bear T, Curtis, and Phoenix, our newest Patreon supporters. Thank you very much for your support. If you would like to become a Patreon member, head over to our website at wickedfellow.com. You can find all of our links there, including the Patreon, our social media, and of course our adult sites are there as well. The podcast is hosted there, so you can find all the episodes. Patreon members get behind-the-scenes updates. I try to do a weekly update aside from this podcast. And there's some erotic photography, there's some erotic stories that I've read, and I'm going to continue to add to that collection. If you're curious what's going on at the Patreon, all those features are available at any tier. So some of the additional features, for example, if you want to call me and talk to me directly, that is available for you if you want to become a patron at that level. But almost everything I post to Patreon is available at any tier. So don't feel like you have to contribute a lot in order to get as much as I can give you from Patreon. There are some special perks that do cost a lot more. However, they are outside of the Patreon website. Thank you again so much for your support. In this first part of the conversation, I'm going to talk about how do we keep underage people from viewing porn. In the next part of the conversation, I'm going to get into some more very difficult uh, topics including, you know, actual child sexual abuse. And I understand if that's a very sensitive topic for you. So this first episode should be fairly benign. The second episode will be a much more difficult conversation. And I just wanted to give you a heads up about that before we get into it. So every week I invite you to send me your thoughts and concerns and questions and directions you want to see the podcast go. And a couple weeks ago I received a letter from someone who is in the anti-child trafficking and exploitation business. And they were responding to a couple of episodes that they had watched. This letter arrived before the ethics and porn conversation number one. And it was part of what pushed me in that direction of things that I really wanted to address in this podcast, things that I thought were very important for you to understand about me as a creator and hopefully that I can get out into the broader world as how we can create porn ethically And what that means. What does it mean to create ethical porn? And what should we stay away from? What are things that are problematic in porn, for example? And on the last episode, we talked about violence in porn. You know, specifically the question, does watching violent pornography make people more violent in real life? And when I talked about that last time, I was very heavy on, no, I don't think that watching something violent makes you violent. I think that being violent makes you violent. And the media that you consume cannot be used as an excuse for violent behavior. And I definitely feel that way. I feel like just seeing something that's violent in pornography or in media in general is not going to cause somebody who would otherwise not be violent to become violent. And I think that that is a very important distinction to make. And we're going to talk quite a bit about that as we move into this much more thorny and difficult subject, speaking of child exploitation specifically. Before we get into that part of the topic... I wanted to talk about a teaser that I did last time, which was, I think that porn should be made by adults for adults. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of controversy there. I know that depending on where you live, for example, you become an adult at a different age. So that is 
something that we will touch on later, but is also kind of a sticky issue. You may live somewhere where 16 is considered an adult, and you may live somewhere where 18 is considered an adult. I know that in America, we really don't consider you fully adult until you're 21, and that's our legal drinking age across the country. That's been raised in my lifetime. Um, it used to be 18, someplace it was 16. Regardless, right now, nationwide, it's 21. That's kind of your last milestone birthday. And aside from renting a car and becoming president, there aren't too many age-related barriers after 21. So once you become 21, you're fully an adult. In most states, you're an adult at 18. And in some states, you're considered an adult, at least for sexual purposes, at 16, the age of consent being 16 in many United States states. So when it comes to pornography, I believe that it's 18 across the country, meaning that even if you're 16 and you live in a state where 16 is the age of consent, you can't legally buy or consume pornography online. So whether that's ethically correct or not, I really don't know. I don't know if we should lower it, raise it, make it universal, etc. I do feel like small children, and we're talking below 16 definitely, but probably below 18, should not be consuming porn, at least not completely unsupervised. And perhaps we'll talk about that later. You know, is it possible to have supervised porn consumption for kids? I don't really know. I don't really want to touch that. I can say that nationwide anyway, 18 seems to be the standard for the age you're allowed to consume porn. And if you go on any porn site, when you arrive on that site, there'll be a pop-up banner and it says, I attest that I'm 18 years of age, etc., or I'm legal to view porn where I live, etc. And you have to click yes or no. If you click no, it kicks you off the website. If you click yes, it allows you into the website. And I believe we're all sophisticated enough to know that that pop-up screen is not keeping kids from watching porn, right? That pop-up screen is there to protect the porn site from accusations that they're making porn readily available to children. They can say, no, we have a pop-up that says do not enter if you're not 18. And whoever entered our site clicked that they were 18, therefore it's not our responsibility. And in truth, they're correct. You know, it's kind of slimy to look at it that way. But it is true. They cannot control who views their publicly available website. But... Should we make it more difficult for children to view pornography? Should we have some sort of age verification system? Should we have some sort of ID registration system? And some states have begun to do this. And I have very mixed feelings on this, and I'll tell you why. I'm all for some sort of age verification. I'm all for keeping porn, especially rough porn, the kind of porn that I make, out of the hands of people who are too young to understand what they're seeing, that are too young to interpret a consensual rough scene from a non-consensual rough scene. And at a certain age, you are not equipped to do that. I don't think that that is in left field as far as common sense goes. There's a certain age which is very difficult for you to understand what's going on in an intimate sexual encounter, and you should not be watching porn unsupervised online at a very young age. I don't have any problem with that. Where we draw that line, I will leave to people much more experienced in child development than I am. I know that kids mature at different rates. I matured very early, both physically and mentally. I know people in their 30s that still haven't matured. 
So there's a broad range at which people become mature. And I do not believe there's a way to have a litmus test for maturity. We've decided that a numerical age will stand in for that test. And we decide that 18, you are an adult and you are, can make adult decisions and you can do a lot of things except buy alcohol. So that should show you that there's still some controversy as when somebody becomes an actual adult. The problem I have with some sort of age verification based on entering an ID is that I believe a lot of people are going to circumvent that for a number of legitimate reasons, not just because they're underage and they want to see pornography. So let's look at reason number one. You are a gay man and you are closeted or you live somewhere where being out as a gay man could endanger your life, which honestly is a lot of places, including the United States. Are you going to want to enter your identification into a website to go look at gay porn? No. And you shouldn't have to. So there's a basic problem there. And aside from, you know, a real life personal safety issue, because websites get hacked, documents get leaked. And it would not surprise me in the least if once we instituted a nationwide, you must enter your identification in order to watch this pornography. A few months later, there was a giant data leak exposing everybody that logged on to Pornhub and what they were watching. And that's very dangerous for some people. It's embarrassing for some people. You know, maybe you don't want people to know that you have a foot fetish or that you're into water sports. And that would be uncomfortable for you to have known in your work circle. Or you just don't want people knowing how much you watch porn. Or you're distrustful of the government and giving them your information so that you can then go watch some really kinky porn is really off-putting to you. It's off-putting to me, and I'm in no way a government bad conspiracy theorist. I would be very hesitant to do that. So I don't know if that is the solution. Unfortunately, I'm not bright enough to come up with a much better solution than entering in your ID so that you can then watch pornography. I don't believe that having a pop-up that says I am 18 is sufficient to keep kids from watching porn. However, I don't want to see a nationwide institution of you must enter your driver's license number to watch this pornography because I don't trust both the website or the government when it comes to that kind of sensitive personal information because, unfortunately, our government has proved untrustworthy when it comes to matters of personal privacy and what we like to do in our own homes. So I guess in that way, I am a bit of a, you know, tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist, but I believe that's been borne out by recent decisions by our Supreme Court. It would not surprise me if a database on who's watching what kind of porn would be very useful information to a less ethical regime. Let's put it that way. So there is our problem. You know, if we could trust the website and we could trust the government, that would be an ideal solution. You have to put in your date of birth and that has to be supported by some form of ID. Now, what are some alternatives? Well, we could have a national ID card that's only issued to people that are 18 and they can prove they're 18. And the only information contained on that card is the holder of this card is 18 years of age. Unfortunately, because people are people, it would be very easy to abuse that system. I could hand my 18-year-old card to some kid for 20 bucks, and then they could go online, etc. You understand the problem here. This has been an issue for porn content producers because we have to send our information in. 
in order to become verified on these websites, and if you want to make money, you have to be verified, we do have to send our information in. So all of the websites that I post to, they have my driver's license, sometimes my passport, they have my full name, my address, they know where I live, etc. They know all this. And I know that I'm taking at least a moderate risk in providing it to them because websites are fallible and they could get hacked. That information could be released. Now, I'm not worried about being outed as a porn star. I use the porn star generally. I don't think I'm that popular. But I don't, I'm not worried about being outed as an adult performer because I'm out as an adult performer. I put my face in the videos. I talk to you guys. I do conceal my identification to some extent, and I do that to protect my models. That's a very important distinction because almost every week someone will reach out to me trying to get in touch with one of my models directly. Some people being very obtuse will simply ask, hey, what is so-and-so's name and phone number? I would like to contact them, as if I would give out that information. Other times, it's clear that they're being a bit more sneaky. Oh, I want to send something to such and such model. Can I have her address? Again, I'm not that foolish, and I'm not going to give out my information or my model's information to some stranger on the internet. So for me, the necessity for privacy comes down to safety. I don't want someone showing up at my front door to threaten me or my models. And I have received very threatening messages, including death threats, because of what I do. And I understand that. It's, this is not cry for me, Argentina. I know that because I do what I do, some people are going to take issue with that. And some very reactionary and unhinged people are going to make death threats because of it. It's a real thing. I don't know any creators that have not been harassed individually because of their work. If you become an adult entertainer like we are, somebody is going to send you something that's really messed up. It's going to happen. Since I've been doing this for many years now, I have a whole folder full of really awful emails, threatening emails, stalky emails, that kind of thing. So that's why we work so hard to protect the identity of myself and also my model. That's why. But as I was saying, as porn producers, we have to submit that information. We have to submit our ID. They want us to have a picture of us holding our ID, which I understand. You know, you could take a picture of somebody's identification without them knowing and then post revenge porn of them, for example. So having them hold their ID up is sign that they are consenting to have their ID picture shown. I get that. But we have to jump through a series of hoops to be identified. Some sites are now doing actual face scanning where you have to hold still in front of your monitor and they scan your face to make sure that the picture on your ID is you. Because again, this is the internet age. I could fake an ID if I wanted to. It would not be that hard to change the birth date or change the address or change the face. That is something someone could do if they wanted to to produce a fake ID. So this is a multi-layered problem of trying to do real-time age verification for a website. Some websites rely on credit card data. When you age verify for these websites, you send them your credit card number and they charge like a penny to your card and that verifies that you're an adult and that you are who you say you are. That is a not bad option. Obviously not everybody has a credit card. I understand that. Not everybody has a debit card and you're still sending them personally identifiable information, I'm assuming at least that once they have verified that you're an adult, your account is flagged as this person is an adult and they then delete that credit card information. 
I don't know why they wouldn't, because it seems like a liability to hold on to that personally identifiable information. But there's a level of protection there. The same reason that we use credit cards for buying things online, there's a level of safety in if that information gets stolen, the credit card company can be used to reimburse your money, for example. So there's a level of safety there in having your credit card information. However, as I said before, you know, I'm pretending that I'm a gay man living somewhere where that would be very dangerous to me. I'm not going to give them my credit card so that I can go watch gay porn because now they know who I am. And that might endanger my life. And I don't want anybody to be in that situation, whether it's because of a life safety issue or they just don't want people knowing that they like foot fetish porn. It doesn't matter. People are entitled to their privacy. But how do we balance privacy with making sure that kids don't see stuff online? That is an issue. I'm hoping that somebody smarter than me can come up with a very good solution to this problem because I believe that it would be very beneficial for the porn industry. I think that if we could say, look, we have strict age controls. You can't see this stuff unless you're 18. That would take some of the burden off of porn because one of the most frequent attacks against porn is, look how porn is damaging children. Children shouldn't see porn. And as a content creator, I agree. You know, even if it's soft core porn, there's a certain age which you probably should not see that because you're not going to understand it. And it could be very confusing and possibly damaging to you. But if you're 18 and you can join the military and you can go off to war, I believe you should be able to watch whatever porn you want. How do we make that happen? So, yeah, I would love to see good, reliable, private age verification instituted somehow. The Internet is the Internet. So I can promise you, even if we come up with a very trustworthy system of verifying people's identity, there are some people that are not going to want to be part of that system. And they're going to seek porn outside of that system that will create a porn black market where people can go see porn for free without age verification, just like we do now. And unfortunately, that'll create a competing industry of why would you want to enter your information over here on Pornhub when you can go over to this other website that doesn't track your information? That's going to be an issue, and I am not smart enough to solve that issue. But where I come down on the ethical part of it is, yes, I would be fine with an 18-year-old must-verify-your-identity to watch porn. I have no problem with that. I wouldn't be really upset if we made it 21, though honestly, I don't think that we should have two ages for adulthood. We should kind of decide one or the other. And honestly, I think we should probably make it 18. If you can go to war at 18, you should be able to drink. Or vice versa, if you can't drink at 18, you are not old enough to sign your life away to the military, so we should raise that to 21. Pick one. I'm happy with either one because I'm in my mid-40s, but we should make it one or the other. This dual standard is a bit bad. It's not really logically consistent and i don't believe it's morally consistent these are issues that we need to tackle you know i don't believe that you have the ability to sign up to join the military and go off to war but you're not allowed to drink for three more years that doesn't seem right to me if we've decided that in order to act responsibly when drunk you have to be 21 then that should be the age of enlistment and that's just me i believe that that shouldn't be controversial what does that mean for driver's licenses and everything else that we do? I don't know. I really don't. I wish I had a good answer for that. But 
Am I for age verification for pornography? Yes. Do I know how to do it? No. I think that instituting that would be very difficult. Okay. As always, consent is king. Take very good care of each other. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>